Hey everybody and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Jason Lipschutz and I'm an associate editor and the Pop Shop blog editor of Billboard.com. Based in New York on the other line in Los Angeles is the bad judge to my mysteries of Laura, Keith Caulfield. How's it going, Keith? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Have you seen any new fall television shows yet? Uh, no. No, not at all? I feel like, you know, you're in Hollywood. People are buzzing about, you know, the new Deborah Messing dramedy. No. Why, nothing? Are they? Are they? Really? I don't, hey, man. Mysteries of Laura. She's a mom that's a cop, but a cop that's a mom. It's pretty interesting. Why didn't they just call it Cop Mom? Cop Mom. Yeah, I know. Hey, Laura has many mysteries to her, and that might be one of them. Anyway, um, Keith, we have a ton to talk about on today's Pop Shop Podcast. We are going to talk about the Hot 100, some uh, a, a new Top 10 entry, a new Top 20 entry, um, and it is the year of the booty, so we are going to be talking about that, of course. Booty, booty, we'll booty, booty, booty. Sorry. Booty, 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 booty. We are going to be talking about new songs from Kendrick Lamar, Jesse J., Charlie XCX, and Calvin Harris, whether or not they might be you know, big hits uh, in the next few months. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the iHeartRadio Music Festival, was, which was this past weekend. Performances by Taylor Swift, One Direction, Coldplay, and many more. Uh, we got a lot of backstage fun, and you'll hear some of those interviews with Five Seconds of Summer and Iggy Azalea and Macklemore and many more. Keith, are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous. You got a lot of stars backstage at iHeart. Hey, man, you're like, but you're like the red carpet maverick. You were, you know, you're at the Grammys and the VMAs, and um, uh, still, I'm jealous because you guys here. got you guys got a ton of interviews with really big people. So if you're listening, you should jo- go check out the videos on Billboard.com because they oh, did thanks, a bang man. up job on on getting a lot of people back there. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was just like you know you're interviewing Megan Trainer and you get a tap on the shoulder like oh fifty cents waiting for you. I'm like oh this is the weirdest job ever, but it's it's kind of the the best. So, um, but Keith, yes, before we get to iHeartRadio, we got to get to the one and only Barbara Streisand is number one on the Billboard 200 album chart, and it some would say it, she's the main event this week. You know, she is <laughs> she is the main event. Um, and defeats Chris Brown's ex, uh, his new album, uh, pretty handily. He was trying to get three number one albums in a row. Did not have it for him. How much did each of those albums sell, Keith? Well, the grand diva, Barbara Streisand, sold, believe it or not, <laughs> 196,000 copies of her new album, Partners. And that is her best sales week since 1997, and the biggest sales week of this year for an album by a woman, which is amazing. Pretty, At, pretty remarkable. Yeah, her 10th number one album. She's now had a number one album in each of the last six decades, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s, which is crazy. Um yeah, handily beat Chris Brown. Uh, Chris Brown uh, sold 146,000 with his new album X. That is actually better than what his last album debuted with. Um, uh, Fortune, which came out in 2012, started with 135,000. So Chris Brown actually improved, but Barbara was just, yeah. you know, there was no match with Barbara there. So uh, kudos to Barbara and congrats to Chris Brown on yeah, improving. It, it, it seems like this story is not like, you know, surprised that no. Chris Brown. Mm-hmm hit number two because like you said the sales were actually in line even a little better than fortune the 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 story is that 
Barbra Streisand has the biggest album debut for a female this year. That's that's pretty that's pretty incredible to me. Yeah, not even just debut, just sales week. Period. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's 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 you know it's it's the power of of the Barbara. Period is, yeah. is is a great draw. Then you have all these all star collaborations on the album, you know, with Lionel Richie and Josh Groban and Michael Bublé and Elvis Presley and Blake Shelton. You have all these attractive stars that you know, to a degree, bring in the audiences from their own respective fan bases that might be interested in purchasing an album because, yeah. oh my God, I love Blake Shelton. Oh, I guess I could maybe <laughs> buy this Barbra Streisand album. Um, and then you have the fact that she did a lot of significant press last week. She was on The Tonight Show uh, with Jimmy Fallon for the entire show, and that yeah, was her was first visit to late night yeah. TV in more than 50 years. And she was on Good Morning America, and she was on The View. Um, yeah, so, you know, add up all those things together, and you get a really robust week, so... Go Barbara. And it seems like this is this is kind of the start. Maybe not the start, but there are more, you know, standards album, more duets albums coming from big artists, um, more legendary artists. You have Tony Bennett uh, coming next week with Lady Gaga, Cheek to Cheek. This I know week, Are- this week. Yeah, yeah it, it's debuting next week, but it's out now. Um, and then Aretha Franklin is coming soon. Um, so, you know, we had this whole full fall music preview last week where we talk about, you know, One Direction and Taylor Swift and all these artists. But then, you, you know, you think about who buys albums and, and maybe Aretha and Tony Bennett and Barbara Streisand are, are really the ones to watch in terms just in terms of album sales. Yeah, you can always count on. I mean, it's it's. It it's it works for a reason, you know. the 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 idea of having an an artist of a certain sort of, you know, level, you know, of a Barbara Streisand or a Tony Bennett level or an Aretha Franklin level, um, you know, or even Lionel Richie, who did it a couple of years ago with his yeah, with his that Tuskegee was huge, album. yeah. You know, you do sort of a twist on a covers album where you bring in famous friends to do either familiar songs or unfamiliar songs, but you know, you need a lot of a lot of extra bells and whistles these days to sell albums. And so uh, some artists like Barbara with partners or like Lionel Richie with, with his good selling Tuskegee, it was a number one album and it's, I don't know what the sales of it are, but it sold a lot. It did really well. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know either, but yeah, I, I mean, it sold over, it I think over hit. a million. It did really well. Um, you know, you, you have to be able to find a way to reach demographics and to reach audiences and consumers that, you don't normally reach or the people that actually still want to purchase a full album, people that, you know, used to buy albums in the olden days. So this is a way to do that. But also at the same time, I think Barbara was reaching new fans, uh, certainly with the tonight show and, and, you know, her and Jimmy Fallon duetting together in a really funny moment. Um, I think that probably brought in maybe some new people that aren't necessarily Streisand fans, but might've been turned on by, you know, her on the tonight show. Totally, totally agree. So, rest of the top five debuts, you have Tim McGraw at number three, George Strait with a live album at number four, and then Train Bulletproof Picasso at number five. And then, also in the top ten, uh, One Republic's album zooms back up. Now, you wrote about this, um, and I'm, I'm curious, Keith, We act, I, I, I meant to ask you this this morning, but I, I didn't get a chance. So, One Republic's album, Native, shoots back into the top ten, primarily because it was discounted for 99 cents at google play store mm-hmm. correct yes so correct. i'm curious as to because I, I thought that albums that are sold for that little don't count in terms of billboard 200 album sales no, or maybe it, maybe that's just because oh is, is the rule that it can't debut with something like that we we have our pricing policy is 
in terms of, uh, sorry, let me back up. Uh, Billboard's pricing policy is says that uh, new albums, which I, I think it's four weeks old. I don't have the okay, policy yeah, in front of me. Four so weeks. four, so within its four f- first four weeks of release, it has to be priced at least three forty nine or above. Um, yeah. If it's outside of that, then it can be discounted um, to a cheaper price. So that's how we saw Bob Marley's Legend uh, jump back into the top five and, and be in the top 10 for the first time ever, uh, a week or two ago. Same thing happens with one Republic's native. It was sold for 99 cents. Um, so, and, and that album has been native has been out for like a year and a half or something. So, um, it is outside the window of the price restriction. Um, it, uh, you know, on the one hand, Hey, sell it for whatever you want, go discount. On the other hand, yeah, you're only, you only sold this much because you were at a buck. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, you know? Like, it's like that dollar menu. Yeah, and, you know, it's whatever. Um, whatever I just wish stuff wasn't so freaking cheap, um, and it's things would achieve high rankings without having to be so deeply discounted. Hey, man, I, I wish things weren't cheap as well. Actually, I, I, wish, I wish everything was cheap, but, you know, um, that's because I'm cheap as well. Um, so next week, it seems like there is a battle a brewing a little bit between Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett's Cheek to Cheek, uh, their their duets album. That, that was going to be our album title, Keith, uh, Jason and Keith, Cheek to Cheek. Sadly, they beat us to it. And uh, Kenny Chesney has a new one as well. What are the projections for those two albums, Keith? Well, right now, and we're recording this on Wednesday, so anything can change. Right now, the early forecasts from industry prognosticators... <laughs> I always like to preface everything with that, just to be on the safe side. Uh, say that both albums are going to sell maybe around the same amount. So there could be a slight race for number one. Uh, so there is some truth in what you said when you introduced this. Uh, Cheek to Cheek may sell around 120-ish thousand. And Kenny Chesney's new album, uh, which the name of which is The Big Revival, uh, could do around the same amount. I'm thinking the edge might be to Kenny. But you never know what could happen, certainly with Lady Gaga uh, and Tony Bennett. So who knows what could happen? But right now, could be a slight race for number one. Very cool. So uh, check out Keith's chart breakdowns on Billboard.com. He, he wrote a whole lot about the Barbra Streisand and Chris Brown albums this week. Check those out on Billboard.com right now. So moving over to the Hot 100 chart, Megan Trainer is all about that bass, is still number one. Um, Jeremiah uh, hits the top ten with Don't Tell Him featuring yg don't tell him don't tell him don't tell him not his first top 10 though no. uh no um so congrats to jeremiah on another top 10 but certainly probably a big look for him because i think most oh, people, for sure most people are still probably piecing together who he is as, as an artist um yep. and i think because this is such a crossover top 40 hit i think it's probably giving him an audience that he probably never had yeah, we had Don't Tell Him as a song to watch a couple weeks ago when we did That's right. you know, uh, songs to keep an eye on that might make the upper reaches of the Hot 100. And how? And now look, hey. Boy, were we right. Don't tell wow. We actually got something right for once. Uh, top 10 for Don't Tell Him. That is at number 10 this week. A little lower on the list in the top 20 making a top 20 debut is Booty by Jennifer Lopez featuring Iggy Azalea. And where is it at? Where is it at on the Hot 100 this week, making its debut? Keith, uh, it, Booty 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 debuts at number 18, 18, 18 on the Billboard. Hot All right, Ms. New Booties, uh, Jennifer Lopez and Iggy Azalea teaming up for this new track. Now, this already is Jennifer Lopez's biggest hit 
from her new album, AKA, correct? Yeah. Yeah. She, she hasn't even had a top 40 hit since 2012. So uh, that tells you something right there. Uh, this is her biggest, her highest charting hit since Dance Again in 2012 uh, reached number 17. Um, so yeah, she's, you know, I Love Ya Poppy charted, uh, First Love charted, but they couldn't even hit the top 40. So yeah, clearly, clearly something must have happened last week with this song and J-Lo hmm. and Iggy Azalea. I don't know. I wonder was there what a, it was. A big pop was it culture like a, event? A big, a big booty a big music booty. video? Is that is that what happened? I think it may have been because of the music video. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, we're we're obviously being sarcastic. So this was this was all about the all about the not the bass, not the booty, but the music video. Correct? Uh, yeah. His debut. Yeah, it's 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 all about the music video. <laughs> um, the 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 music video. Um, debuted last week, and if you haven't seen the video, you're missing really a a, a wonderful piece of art. Um, and uh, that, in turn, the premiere of the video caused Booty to debut at number three on our streaming songs chart, um, all owed to the reach of the bodaciously bootyful video that is on YouTube. Um, so yeah, it was it was really all about the streaming uh, points for this particular song and the video that drove it into the chart at number eighteen on the Billboard Hot 100. And J Lo's biggest hit since 2012 yeah. uh, in the in the top twenty. I, I I will say that I Love You Poppy was a top twenty hit in my heart at least. Uh, yeah, well, clearly you know that video you saw more butts of dudes. So this one, you the focus is on just two women who are big pop stars and they're. Uh, rear ends. So, uh, you know, I think what what we're seeing here is that female rear ends can help you get a bigger hit than male rear ends. That's so this is the, this is the most scientific discussion we've ever had. So, yes. <laughs> so just comparing the data, just compa- looking at the data closely, the are analytics more impactful show than male butts. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the latest hit in the literally the year of the booty. We keep calling it that. But if you think about Nicki Minaj's Anaconda and its video, you think about All About That Bass by Megan Trainer. You think about Wiggle by Jason Derulo, maybe to a little bit less of a degree, but it's still there. But that's all about, I mean, did you see all those viral videos from people wiggling yes. their wiggles? There was a lot of wiggling. Wiggling their wiggles. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. I mean, I, I was at the iHeartRadio uh, festival this weekend, and... I would say every fourth performance had some sort of twerking aspect to it because, I, you know, Nicki Minaj was there, Lil John was there, and, you know, he's going to bring out female dancers and they're going to do their thing. Even country even, stars are, like, twerking and wiggling and thrusting. I, know. I mean, have you seen I, I Florida Georgia expect- Line or Luke Bryan in concert? There's a lot of wiggling there. I kind of, I even kind of expected like Coldplay to, to start twerking. <laughs> Chris no, no, Martin comes out in some sort of tight fitting jeans and lots of wiggling. A sky full of twerks. Um, <laughs> so, so Keith, do you think this is all kind of the result of the Miley Cyrus wrecking ball video and that kind of shock factor of her being undressed in a lot of that video well, and and then breaking the Vivo twenty four hour record? I'm sure Terry Richardson is just sitting somewhere right now, very proud of what he's unleashed upon the oh, world. Oh, absolutely! It's all because of Terry Richardson that we now have Jennifer Lopez's 
almost unclothed body writhing yeah, in a video. That, I mean, that's that's a, that's like a sad little detail in all this. But um, you know, I, the Wrecking Ball video not only was a huge hit; it won Video of the Year. No, no, I know. TV VMAs. I'm, but, I'm being I'm being a little bit silly. Um, uh, I think. I mean, to to get a little bit sort of like, you know, uh, big thought about this, I think... Let's break it down. You know, I mean, controversial, skin-filled videos have always worked. Yeah. They have worked since videos existed. Um, If you can create controversy and create something that's really eye-catching and pair that with... Um, an arresting song. So you have a really great visual and a great song or a great visual and kind of a mediocre song. Maybe the visual will elevate the song to something greater. Um, We've seen it happen throughout the history of music video. So, you know, be it, you know, um, you know, models cavorting on a yacht with Duran Duran in Rio, you know, that worked. That's true. You know, you know, to, I don't know, um, Madonna in chains, naked on a bed, and express herself in 1989. Well, that yep. worked. Madonna had a lot of skin in a lot of her videos. You know, in Vogue, she's wearing a a see through lace shirt that um, I think was probably incredibly risky for MTV to show at the time, but they did because she was Madonna. Um, yeah. So all, it all comes it all comes back to Madonna. Sorry, it's just end. easy for me to reference hey, Madonna no because worries. I know her so much, but. but by the way, to interrupt, uh, we haven't talked about this, but did you see the Instagrams of Madonna and Nicki Minaj? You think you think they're doing something new? Who knows? Have you looked at Madonna's Instagram lately? She's, yeah, she's posting a lot of pictures of a lot of people. Megawatt uh, Instagram right there, but yeah, no, I, I I hear your point that it's always kind of been the the controversial sexy music videos have always kind of made that impact. It just seems like it's heightened in the past year or so ever since Miley Cyrus's I, Wrecking Ball. I think. I think um, if you if you look back to um, sort of the the early '90s and late '80s, where you had a lot of hip hop videos, where like the idea of a video vixen with a big butt became popular. I mean, if you look at you know two live crew videos, or if you looked at Rex yep. in Effect, or if you look at um, you know Sir Mix a Lot, Baby Got Back, you know that that's the same thing. And now we have Anaconda, which is referencing Baby Got Back and sampling it. I think the difference now is that. These videos have become so mainstream, and pop artists themselves are like, yeah, I'm, I'll show my butt, I guess, as opposed to it being video vixens hired to show their uh, assets. You now have <laughs> saved Good myself. Save. Um, you now have the pop stars <laughs> themselves taking off their clothes, and that's, I think, what's sort of the unusual thing. I mean, to you know, Madonna was a trailblazer when she did that, and now we have Jennifer Lopez and Iggy Azalea in a barely there bikini. Uh, at least on the bottom part, Miley Cyrus is naked. Um, and we didn't mention Kylie Minogue and her sexercise video. Oh, yeah. Her and a lot of exercise balls and not much else. Um, yep. So I think the difference is now artists are doing it. And artists are thinking, well, you know, this is kind of normal. And I don't mind showing my body. And it's a pretty body. Why not do it, you know? Yeah. And obviously Jennifer Lopez getting a big assist from Iggy Azalea, who is a big assist. Hottest names. She has a big assist uh, from Iggy. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Goodness gracious. So that is our discussion of Year of the Booty. So, Keith, let's talk about some new songs, some new singles, and whether or not you think they're going to be hits or not. This is this is kind of like a modified version of what we do when there are songs creeping up the Hot 100 and we say, you know, keep an eye on them. These are, these are high-profile single releases that 
maybe ne- not have not necessarily cracked the Hot 100 yet, but might get there in no time. The first one is one of the biggest uh, single releases of the month. It is I by Kendrick Lamar, which uh, samples the Isley Brothers. It's, it's gotten a, a really mixed reaction online. Uh, really? Keith, what, yeah, yeah, which is which is surprising to me because when I woke up on Monday morning and, and the song had come out, was it Monday? Yeah, I think it was Monday. No, what, what, I thought it was. Well, they, he he had, he revealed the cover art like last Thursday or something, right? Or last Wednesday. Yeah, no, maybe it was Tuesday. A- anyway, anyway, um, yeah, it was it was one of those days. It came out. It came out, and I was I I really really love the song, and I was seeing a lot of positive reviews of it on Twitter, and then I come into the office and Erica Ramirez, our hip hop editor was kind of mad and, and I was like oh why are you mad and and she's like well I really love this Kendrick song but all I see is is hate about it on Twitter just because people think that Kendrick is Kendrick Lamar is is a hard rapper and shouldn't be rapping about self-love and and it's not a good look for him anyway this I'm going down a, a deep tangent but it has gotten a, a pretty mixed reaction apparently um but what what do you think when you when you hear the song it's kind of a weird song do you think it's gonna be a hit i thought it was like it's it's a big poppy catchy you know party song i mean if just on the surface if you're not really listening too closely um you you immediately hear the sample of the Heisley yeah. Brothers. I'm like, wow, that's a big sample. Um, and it samples that lady uh, recorded in the early you 70s. Kinda, you kind of almost expect him to start singing it, right? You're like, yeah, who's that lady? Who's that Yeah, exactly. Um, actually, what I think of is the Swiffer commercial um, that uses <laughs> the song, um, That Lady. Um, and uh, no, I, I think it's really accessible and this could be like a top 40 hit. Um, but I can see if, if you are used to a certain sort of sonic quality that is a little bit more harder, then you may be kind of sort of put off a little bit by, oh man, like what are you selling out with this like really catchy sample? And you know, yeah. it could be, it could sort of, but I mean, you know, embrace embrace the artistic decisions of our artists. <laughs> Go with the yeah, flow. I, I think that this is, I think that this is going to be a big hit, and I think that basically anything that Kendrick Lamar was going to do next was going to be a big hit. I mean, this just happens to be pretty poppy, but since Good Kid Mad City came out in October 2012, he's gotten so much acclaim. He's impacted so many different people. He's reached so many fans with just festival appearances and live dates. Like, There's so much interest now in Kendrick Lamar that people were holding their breath for this song to drop and i think a lot of people are going to snap it up so we'll see i i think it i think it's going to do really well maybe kendrick Lamar will finally have like a legitimate hot 100 hit um on his own at least so uh also out this week jesse j's follow-up to bang bang it's called burning up featuring two chains uh, a hilarious two chains verse two and chains. two chains so jesse j uh, we were talking about this song on the Must Hear Music podcast on Billboard.com uh, earlier in the week, and I called uh, Jesse J the Mario Chalmers of the pop world. What Mar- does that mean? Okay, I know it's a sp- I know it's a sports it's a sports reference. Mario Chalmers is the point guard of the Miami Heat, and he's like a he's like a pretty good player, but he's won two championships because he's been on the same team as LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. So, you know, he he's part he's not um, like necessarily a superstar himself. He's successful yet, by association. Sort of exactly. So now you have 
Jesse J following up a song with Ariana Grande and Nicki Minaj with a new single from Two Chains. It's it's a pretty fun dance song. I I don't love it, but what do you think, Keith? Um, uh, did we even say what the name of it was? I think we did. Yeah, Burn It Up. Burn yeah. It Up, yeah. Not to be confused with the Madonna song, because to bring it all back to Madonna. Or um, the Jonas Brothers song. Or, yes, or the Jonas Brothers Come song. Come on. Oh, God, how could we forget that one? Um, <laughs> so I like it, um, I, and I think it has it, it has a... It, it's, it's, it, the trick is with pop songs, you have to be sort of same enough to get in the door, but then you have to be different enough to last. So, you know, I think this song fits the bill where it's it's accessible enough and familiar enough with sort of the contemporary pop music that's on the radio right now and, and on streaming on YouTube and so forth. But it still has a little bit of an edge to it. Um, and I think that will work in its in its behalf moving forward because, you know, that that's the, that's the trick. Like, how do you make a song yeah. that is familiar but also new and fresh um yeah and her voice also is just so great and it's a catchy song um i think though it'll be interesting to see if she can keep the momentum going from uh bang bang uh or if that momentum was really because of ariana and nikki or was it really so we'll see that is the yeah that is going to be the interesting thing i'm very interested to see how this song does because you know Jessie J has a, a legitimate huge radio hit right now with Bang Bang, and we'll see if she can follow it up without the help of Ariana Grande and Nicki Minaj, although 2 Chains gives a nice assist on the song. So Calvin Harris's Blame with John Newman uh, debuted on the Hot 100 last week, actually. It got its live debut at iHeartRadio Fest. That's that's why it was on my mind. John Newman came out. Oh. It, was, it was a pretty spectacular ending. Um, debuted last week. I don't know if this song is going to be as big as as something like Summer, which was the top 10 hit for Calvin Harris and, and follows a couple other top 10 hits for Calvin Harris. Um, yeah, man. I, I mean, what John I Newman. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think? Um, here are my notes. I wrote okay. epic. I wrote clappy. clappy. I wrote I wrote whoosh with exclamation point. <laughs> and I said. I want to I live in your notes. And I said EDM with a twist. So. Ooh. So again, it's like the Jesse J thing where it's familiar in sort of the tropes of what comes with EDM where you have like this big build up, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but you have John Newman's uh, voice in there, um, which is so powerful and kind of unexpected. And I yeah. think that helps carry the song and sort of brings it to a sort of Sam Smith disclosure type level in a way where you have this like really powerful male voice coming in and kind of like, I'm a Belton, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So I think because it's that it has that combination of sort of EDM-y with a twist, with a whoosh, with a clap, with powerful with male vocal, um, it could be a big hit. Yeah, I mean, John Newman, the easy comparison to make is Sam Smith because they're both younger British male soul singers. Here come the Sams. <laughs> so here come the Sams. And John Newman, unlike Sam Smith, with Stay With Me, just hasn't had a crossover U.S. hit yet. I, I mean, he's had U.K. hits with Rudimental and on his own. He just hasn't r- really impacted here. It'll be interesting to see if Blame is the one to get him there uh, in the way that, you know, y- you think about how uh, I Need Your Love really helped Ellie Goulding, Sweet Nothing with Florence. So we shall see. Um, and finally, Keith, uh, Charlie XCX's Break the Rules. We got a uh, question on Twitter about this song. 
if it's going to do as uh, as well as something like Boom Clap. I think it's just too early to say because I think Boom Clap is still going, and I think that's kind of what Charlie XCX wants to happen. Uh, her album Sucker got pushed back to December because you know she explained that it, it got pushed back actually because of how well Boom Clap is doing. Not really any time to set up Break the Rules or something else as the, the follow-up single. You're withholding an album because your single's doing so well? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it's 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 kind of, it, I kind of like furrowed my brow at that explanation, honestly. But, you know, that's just how she explained it on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think that Break the Rules, it, it's just too early to say if it's going to be a hit or not. I, I like this song a lot. It's, it's um, really fun. And, you know, I'm a big Charlie XCX fan, so... I think it's it's just too early to say because Boom Clap's still going. What do you think, man? Um, I'm going to let you say everything about the song, so there you go. <laughs> okay. Break the rules. Um, we shall keep an eye on that song and all the others. So before we go, Keith, let's talk about the iHeartRadio Fest 2014. So before um, – let, let me just describe iHeartRadio Music Festival and because it's not – it's, it's live-streamed, but it's not on TV, so – not a lot of people can watch it as it's going on. It airs in a couple weeks, I believe, on the CW network. But basically, the iHeartRadio Fest is like any award show, except without the awards. And instead of having every artist perform one song, they basically perform five songs. I think every, almost every artist performed exactly five songs, except for maybe like Megan Trainer um, and G Unit. Or yeah, they only performed a couple. But it it's really interesting in that way because. It, it basically goes on for four and a half hours. Uh, it's all at night. It's at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. and um, They have like a rotating stage where like one act finishes and they spin the exactly, stage around. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it, it's it, I mean, the lineup is always incredible. It, it opened this year uh, with Taylor Swift and then Coldplay and then Nicki Minaj. So it, it was just, it, you know, back to back to back, all playing about five songs. And Those then, were the first you, three acts on Friday night? Yep, those are the first three nothing, acts. Nothing like starting the show with a bang. I mean, <laughs> where do you Seriously, go from there? It's kind of front-loaded a little bit. Uh, Taylor Swift was really great. I wish she had played some new music aside from Shake It Off, but she looked like she was having a blast playing Shake It Off. She did that last, obviously. And I'll tell you what, man, Shake It Off, no matter what you think of that song, I, I really like the song, but no matter what you think of it, it is so much fun to watch live. I, I can't wait for more people to see it in person because... You know, I, I think I'm pretty sure that iHeartRadio was the only the second time she performed it live to at, at least a, a bunch of people. Yeah, I think so. Uh, after, after the, the VMAs, yeah. so she was so jubilant playing this song. It was it was really just exciting to watch her kind of enter this new phase uh, of 1989. Can't wait to hear that album. Coldplay was really great. They they did not play Magic their their. Uh, first single from ghost stories but they did play ink that might be the next single from ghost stories they also played sky full of stars and yeah it was it was just really fun uh, usher was uh, basically the de facto headliner of the night really and usher man, whose album was pushed back till next year he was the headliner of the night. he was and but you know what man i i can't wait to see him on that ur experience tour because he he killed it on on Friday night as to close out the show. We actually had him as our number one performance from the weekend hmm. in our top five performances recap. He it was just a great mix of he opened with OMG and then he went into You Make Me Wanna and then Good Kisser and DJ God Has Fallen in Love. Like it, it was just kind of the perfect 
quick and dirty set list from Usher and Chris Brown came out to do New Flame. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a very exciting, very precise performance. Really enjoyed that. And then also on Friday, Nicki Minaj, absolutely ferocious. She did her flawless remix verse, Acapella, which might have been the best single moment of the entire weekend. So I saw some of Nicki's performance online a little bit. And when Ariana came out and they did Bang Bang without Jesse. Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was very cool. It's yeah. it's just you know there weren't many huge surprises this weekend. Like uh, like I said, Chris Brown came out with Usher, and John Newman came out with Calvin Harris, and I think like Will I Am came out with Steve Aoki. So it, it wasn't like a big kind of you know star packed. It, it was star packed, but it wasn't like surprise filled weekend. And there wasn't that much new music unveiled. Like I said, Taylor Swift did not play any new songs from 1989, aside from Shake It Off. Um, but it was it, it's still a great time. It's a great time for pop lovers. Uh, Iggy Zalea played two shows on Saturday because they have the afternoon iHeartRadio Village uh, in the afternoon. And then she headlined that. And then she also played at night on Saturday night uh, during the regular festival. We actually caught up with Iggy Zalea backstage. Andrew Hamp, my colleague at Billboard, asked her about the booty video, and here is Azalea answering his question. Everyone's talking about the booty video. They are! I've heard through the hallway. (laughs) I've been a little insulated, so I'm glad you're all talking about it. It was awesome because I love Hype Williams, and I've said before, he's been a part of some of my favorite music videos, so it was really great to have him direct the video. I thought that it would be this crazy elaborate set. And it was actually so simple, and so I really enjoyed seeing how that's come together after and looked so polished from not even having to use very much of anything to make, make this thing that everyone's talking about. So that was Iggy Azalea talking about the booty video. Uh, Saturday afternoon, man, I, I mean, so the past two years, iHeartRadio Fest has had this thing called the iHeartRadio Village, and it basically gives a stage to artists that aren't quite on the level i guess i I mean some of them are but some uh, a lot aren't on the level of the regular iheart radio fest performers so you had people like fences and magic and pretty reckless and nico and vins uh performed during this this day festival where was where was the festival at so that's the problem it's outside in a parking lot across from the mgm grand it's near the luxor casino oh it's at the it was like outside of the luxor yeah, it's in a parking lot. And Ugh. the thing about that is that you don't want to spend seven hours in a parking lot in Las Vegas when it's 95 degrees outside. Lord, it's just, you know, sometimes you have to, and it, this is the second year they did it, and I, I don't know why they did it again. Um, it, yeah, it, that, it was brutally hot, unfortunately. But um, one of the highlights was Five Seconds of Summer, they performed only at the Village. They did not perform uh, at the regular iHeartRadio Festival. You and I were wondering about why that was on Twitter. Maybe they just like performing outdoors instead of indoors. Who knows? But Sounds like so a many weird booking. Uh, five Seconds of Summer has like had a, a number weird... one album this year, and they've yeah. sold like a half a million copies of it. And why are they playing outside when they should be probably on the main stage? I have no My idea. opinion. Feel free. But... You know they they're they're getting really great as live performers. I gotta say, I, I saw them open for One Direction a couple months ago. They seem much more confident. They're, the songs seem just a lot more you know compact and together. They they it, it just was a really good rock show. Honestly, even if it was only half an hour long, 
and there were screaming fans the whole time. I actually caught up with the guys backstage after a couple hours after that performance, and uh, Michael had some interesting news to share about those screaming fans. Check it out here. It's Five Seconds Summer. I went to the, I went to like a hearing checkup. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I've actually lost high pitched. You have tinnitus. High pitched. Well, Me no, too. But I have. I've lost high pitched uh, noises in my right ear. That sucks. Just all together. They're Just gone. So, oh, no, no, I think they've lowered or something, so but yeah. The, that's the effects it has. So Michael Clifford's only 18 years old and already losing a little tiny bit of his high-pitched hearing because of the screaming fans. Pretty mm. incredible. Now, now, I see the gentleman with sort of uh, spiky blonde hair. Uh, no, he is the multicolored hair um, guitarist and vocalist. But it's kind of poofy hair, right? It's kind po- of poofy hair, poofy. yeah. Every time I see him, I think I, I I squint and I can kind of see the outline of C.C. DeVille from Poison circa 1990. <laughs> Just a I little. like that. I really do. Uh, but yeah, uh, they, they, those guys are great on Saturday afternoon. Uh, meanwhile, Saturday night, Paramore uh, playing one of their last shows on this self-titled album run performed right before Calvin Harris's headlining set. Paramore, just if you've never seen them live, even if you're not a big Paramore fan, Paramore fan, even if you only know a couple songs, just check them out. Just check out Paramore live. They're they're just the best, and they make everybody seem like you know they're watching one of the most exciting rock shows on the planet. Um, also caught up with those guys backstage a couple hours before their performance at iHeartRadio. Asked them about how the new album is coming. Uh, Haley Williams gave a very interesting answer, and here it is. We're in the dreaming up stage and, and figuring okay, out yeah, kind of who we want to be yeah, next, I feel like. You know what I mean? And and I think it's an important process for us. We've always needed that part. Um, I mean, especially after like after Brand New Eyes when we were making the new record. It was huge just to sort of like say, speak it out loud what we wanted to be. And so I think we're getting there. And we haven't written anything that we've loved and thought, this is it, this is the new direction or where we want to be or who we are. Um, but but it'll happen, you know. I think I think as an artist, you can't you always freak out, but you can't freak out so much and and start to doubt that it'll ever happen again. Because I, I I know we're gonna make a great record when it when the time is right, but it just hasn't been right yet, you know. So thanks again to Paramore for stopping by and chatting with Billboard. And uh, finally, Keith, uh, I should have mentioned uh, in terms of surprise guests, Ed Sheeran brought out Macklemore to perform Same Love, Macklemore song, uh, with Macklemore and Ryan Lewis and Mary Lambert. Ed Sheeran sang the hook. And they've done it before in concert, but it was it was kind of cool because it was in the middle of Ed Sheeran's set. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, Macklemore was kind of the, the sneak attack artist of iHeartRadio Festival because he performed at The Village uh, during the day with Fences. They performed their new single, Arrows. And, you know, I, I was wondering, and I, I talked to Macklemore backstage, I was wondering why, I'm sure Macklemore, after the year he had last year, gets tons of guest artist requests. Like, I'm sure he just gets a ton of um, in- inquiries in terms of, you know, Come having on, him work be featured with on my record. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I, I was, so I asked him about, what about this song, Arrows by Fences, really attracted to him, uh, attracted him to it. So here's Macklemore on the Pop Shop Podcast. I think this record stuck out because I'm friends with Chris. I believe in his music. It's one thing to do a feature for somebody that's already famous. It's another thing to like work with someone that you like, that you love, that you have an appreciation for, and make art, and that's what I'm about. 
So, yeah, Keith, the iHeartRadio Festival, always a fun weekend, and uh, thanks to iHeartRadio for having us out. And again, as Keith said at the top of the show, if there's anything you want to know about iHeartRadio Music Festival, uh, we had a great team out there doing a lot of great work, so check that out on Billboard.com. Keith, we got to wrap up, but before we do, it is time for your Chart Stat of the Week. Um, okay, so 50 years ago this week, on September 26th, 1964, a rock classic crowned the Billboard Hot 100. I'm not going to ask you to guess what it is because you're not going to guess. Roy Orbison's mm. Oh Pretty Woman hit number one yeah. on September 26, 1964. Dum, 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 dum. Uh, the song became his second of two number ones after 1961's Running Scared. Uh, woman would mark Roy Orbison's last top 10, however, for 25 years, and sadly, the last while he was actually still alive. Um, He died in December of 1988, but he went out on a professional high. Uh, After he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987, he scored success as part of the supergroup The Traveling Wilburys, you know, with Tom Petty and George Harrison, uh, and returned to the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100 with his own final hit, 1989's You Got It. Everything you want, you got it, baby. Uh, so there you go. There is your chart stat of the week. Fifty years ago this week, Roy Orbison hit number one with "Oh Pretty Woman," and with with bonus impersonations of Roy Orbison from Keith. I love that man. Mercy, yeah. <laughs> Keith, thank you as always for your chart stat of the week. All right, man, we got to wrap up. Uh, this was a great show, and thank you for all of your chart goodness. We will be back next week for more chart goodness keith do you have any parting words i do actually i want to give Ooh. a hat tip to gary trust for this week's uh, chart stat of the week that the, those those fine words came from gary uh mostly and uh one tiny little correction about last week's chart stat of the week i said that the archies debuted on the chart with the sugar sugar actually they hit number one uh so oh. everything else i said was correct except just change it to they hit number one <laughs> instead of debuted <laughs> So there you go. Those are my parting words this week. All right. All right. Corrections and, you know, hat tips. Gotta love it, man. All right. We we will be back next week on the Pop Shop Podcast. We are going out on Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison. Thanks to all listening and take care. Pretty woman, won't you pardon me? Pretty woman, I couldn't help but see. Pretty woman. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Hi, this is Margaret Cho. Listen to my new podcast, The Margaret Cho, where we talk to celebrities you know from everywhere, and then soon-to-be celebrities you should know. My path to this was different. Like, I was more of like a Mrs. Maisel, like, except I was doing it behind the chair. Somebody saying, oh, we'll actually be able to identify you as Japanese. Let's cut your bangs and go, okay, yeah, let's do it. It's going to be great. So don't miss out. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. ACAST is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.